Book Two, Chapter Four of Les Miserables, translated by Isabel F. Hapgood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melissa. Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Book Two, The Fall. Chapter Four. Details Concerning the Cheese Dairies of Pontarlier Now, in order to convey an idea of what happened at that table, we cannot do better than to transcribe here a passage from one of Mademoiselle Baptistine's letters to Madame Boischevron, wherein the conversation between the convict and the bishop is described with ingenious minuteness. This man paid no attention to any one, he ate with the voracity of a starving man. However, after supper he said, Monsieur le curé of the good God, all this is far too good for me, but I must say that the carters, who would not allow me to eat with them, keep a better table than you do. Between ourselves the remark rather shocked me. My brother replied, They are more fatigued than I. No, returned the man, they have more money. You are poor, I see that plainly. You cannot be even a curate. Are you really a curé? Ah, if the good God were but just, you certainly ought to be a curé. The good God is more than just, said my brother. A moment later he added, Monsieur Jean Valjean, is it to Pontarlier that you are going? With my road marked out for me. I think that is what the man said. Then he went on, I must be on my way by daybreak tomorrow. Traveling is hard. If the nights are cold, the days are hot. You are going to a good country, said my brother. During the revolution, my family was ruined. I took refuge in Franche-Comte at first, and there I lived for some time by the toil of my hands. My will was good. I found plenty to occupy me. One has only to choose. There are paper mills, tanneries, distilleries, oil factories, watch factories on a large scale steel mills, copper works, twenty iron foundries at least, four of which, situated at Lodes, at Châtillon, at Anincourt, and at Berre, are tolerably large. I think I am not mistaken in saying that those are the names which my brother mentioned. Then he interrupted himself and addressed me. Have we not some relatives in those parts, my dear sister? I replied, We did have some. Among others, Monsieur de Lucenay, who was captain of the gates at Pontarlier under the old regime. Yes, resumed my brother, but in ninety-three one had no longer any relatives, one had only one's arms. I worked. They have in the country of Pontarlier, whither you are going, Monsieur Valjean, a truly patriarchal and truly charming industry, my sister. It is their cheese dairies, which they call fruitières. Then my brother, while urging the man to eat, explained to him, with great minuteness, what these fruitières of Pontalier were, that they were divided into two classes, the big barns which belong to the rich, and where there are forty or fifty cows, which produce from seven to eight thousand cheeses each summer, and the associated fruitières, which belong to the poor. These are the peasants of Mid-Mountain, who hold their cows in common and share the proceeds. They engage the services of cheesemaker, 
whom they call the Grurin. The Grurin receives the milk of the associates three times a day, and marks the quantity on a double tally. It is towards the end of April that the work of the cheese dairies begins. It is towards the middle of June that the cheese-makers drive their cows to the mountain. The man recovered his animation as he ate. My brother made him drink that good mauve wine, which he does not drink himself, because he says that wine is expensive. My brother imparted all these details, with that easy gaiety of his, with which you are acquainted, interspersing his words with graceful attentions to me. He recurred frequently to that comfortable trade of Grurin, as though he wished the man to understand, without advising him directly and harshly, that this would afford him a refuge. One thing struck me. This man was what I have told you. Well, neither during supper, nor during the entire evening, did my brother utter a single word, with the exception of a few words about Jesus when he entered, which could remind the man of what he was, nor of what my brother was. To all appearances, it was the occasion for preaching him a little sermon, and of impressing the bishop on the convict, so that a mark of the passage might remain behind. This might have appeared to any one else who had this unfortunate man in his hands, to afford a chance to nourish his soul as well as his body, and to bestow upon him some reproach, seasoned with moralizing advice, or a little commiseration, with an exhortation to conduct himself better in the future. My brother did not even ask him from what country he came, nor what was his history, for in his history there was a fault, and my brother seemed to avoid everything which could remind him of it. To such a point did he carry it, that at one time, when my brother, who was speaking of the mountaineers of Pontalier, who exercise a gentle labor near heaven, and who, he added, are happy because they are innocent, he stopped short, fearing lest in this remark there might have escaped him something which might wound the man. By dint of reflection, I think I have comprehended what was passing in my brother's heart. He was thinking, no doubt, that this man, whose name is Jean Valjean, had his misfortune only too vividly present in his mind, and that the best thing was to divert him from it, and to make him believe, if only momentarily, that he was a person like any other, by treating him in just his ordinary way. Is this not indeed to understand charity well? Is there not, dear madame, something truly evangelical in this delicacy which abstains from sermon, from moralizing, from allusions? And is not the truest pity, when a man has a sore point, not to touch it at all? It has seemed to me that this might have been my brother's private thought. In any case, what I can say is that, if he entertained all these ideas, he gave no sign of them. From beginning to end, even to me, he was the same as he is every evening, and he supped with his Jean Valjean, with the same air, and in the same manner, in which he might have supped with Monsieur Guédillon le Provost, or with the curates of the parish. Towards the end, when he had reached the figs, there came a knock at the door. It was Mother Gerbeau, with her little one in her arms. My brother kissed the child on the brow, and borrowed fifteen sous which I had about me, to give to Mother Gerbeau. The man was not paying much heed to anything then. He was no longer talking, and he seemed very much fatigued. After poor old Gerbeau had taken her departure, my brother said grace. Then he turned to the man and said to him, You must be in great need of your bed. 
Madame Magliore cleared the table very promptly. I understood that we must retire, in order to allow this traveller to go to sleep, and we both went upstairs. Nevertheless, I sent Madame Magliore down a moment later to carry to the man's bed a goatskin from the black forest which was in my room. The nights are frigid, and that keeps one warm. It is a pity that this skin is old. All the hair is falling out. My brother bought it while he was in Germany, at Tottlingen, near the sources of the Danube, as well as the little ivory-handled knife which I use at table. Madame Magliore returned immediately. We said our prayers in the drawing-room, where we hang up the linen, and then we each retired to our own chambers, without saying a word to each other. End of Book Two, Chapter Four Recording by Melissa